not going down just because of something some stupid adults are doing. Mobile suits. Monday, Monday. Camille's a man's name, and I'm a man! Uh, no carrots, please. Mobile suit? Roger that. Mobile suit. Mobile suit. Change. Although all enemies were defeated, Earth did not change one bit! The commander! <laughs> He's lost it! <laughs> every other day, every other day, every other day of the week is fine! You're a soldier here, aren't you? If you want to be more than just a grunt, you better learn to see the whole picture. Uh, yes, yes, sir. I'm the enemy, you idiot! Miss Matilda! Hey guys, welcome back to another mobile-rific episode of Fanholes Mobile Suit Mondays. Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm jazzing away with two, count them, two of my fellow Fanholes. Why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight. Hey, it's Mike, and I'm not trained for underwater battle. Ah! <laughs> This is Justin, and Mike and I are going to have a groovy duel later. Stay tuned. Yeah. So, if you haven't figured it out, we are here in talks tonight about Gundam Thunderbolt Season 2, Episode 2, which was recently released at the time of this recording, and we're trying to get on top of this stuff, but it was released April 28th, 2017, and I think what I'm going to do is just read the brief wiki synopsis, and then we can get into some nitty-gritty details about it. So, to begin, the South Sea Alliance, a Buddhist, radical, cult faction of the Federation, plots to declare itself independent. Furthermore, it is discovered that they possess the reuse P-device technology of Daryl's Psycho-Zaku. The Spartan is assigned to track and destroy the Psycho-Zaku before the South Sea Alliance can mass-produce the technology. In Antarctica, Bianca's squadron is ambushed by Xeon mobile suits. Eo sorties in the Atlas Gundam and dispatches the enemy units before facing a Grublo mobile armor. The battle sends both units far too deep underwater, and Eo, with his equipment lost, slowly sinks to the bottom of the sea. But Bianca, in her damaged gun cannon Aqua, lifts him back to the surface. So yeah, that's that's pretty much like in a heartbeat what happens in the fast-paced breakneck episode of Gundam Thunderbolt. I guess just real quick, are you guys still enjoying this? Is this super cool? Do you are 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 you looking forward to each episode as they come out? Yes, I am. Yeah, it, it was cool. Although I do like 
I read like a review about this episode, like by like some on some anime like website. And I guess the dude who wrote the review, and I guess I'll have to check with you, Derek, if you I don't know if you read this far in the manga, but he kind of said like the it's moving. The story's moving like very slow compared to what happens in the manga. And you felt like this episode was kind of like not like plot advancing that much. Hmm. I, I feel like it, it, it kind of like the, the original anime, like when, when I would read the manga, and I think this is true of this episode as well, the, the manga seemed to jump around and jump back and forth, you know, like between Eo's story and Daryl's story. And I think this episode, you remember how like when we were going through those first four episodes and we kind of decided, oh, this is the the Daryl heavy episode and this is the EO heavy episode or whatever. Like, I feel like this episode of the second season is the EO heavy or the Federation heavy episode, because to me, it seems like when, when I compared the two, it seems like this episode focuses on like it finishes off, I think, volume four of the manga, but then it takes like a sliver of volume five and a lot of volume six because those are all the sort of eo bianca heavy pieces if that makes any sense i, I don't know that i agree that it slowed down the story i i thought i was kind of like wow this is to me it almost seemed like holy shit they're almost jumping all the way to the end you know like because it's it's already touching on stuff that happens in volume six and sort of jumps ahead of a lot of the the daryl centric kind of story beats but that that was just my you know immediate take on it maybe it's just the nature of how it jumps around yeah that made it feel like that mm. i mean i like i i thought it was a good episode and i was kind of like I guess I was kind of like, you know, that South Sea Alliance or whatever. I was I was expecting more about them, but they just kind of, you know, yeah, they, 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 there was more, but it wasn't as much as I was like thinking with only like two episodes to go, you know. No, no, no that makes perfect sense because you're you're still dealing with a lot of Federation and then Zeon remnants instead of the actual South Sea faction. Like the, the other thing that that they seem to drop entirely because... It seems like the anime is focused on the Federation getting back that Psychozaku, and they, they really build that up in the briefing session that the, the general Monica Humphrey, when she gives her briefing. But in the manga, I noticed, and, and it was something that I think I had mentioned when we talked about the, the first episode, like J.J. Sexton from the previous series, like he somehow escaped in an escape pod, and then the, you know, the, this kind of cult, you know, found him, basically. So it's like, it's not only that they have the Psychozaku, but they have, like, one of the scientists that worked on the technology. And in the briefing, he's, you know, his photos put up there, and they're like, we're, we're recovering the Zaku and this guy, because this guy's a fucking problem. And, like, they, you know, pretty much, it seems like in this, just for maybe pacing issues or just expediency efficiency of storytelling like it seems like that element of this was completely cut from the anime but i mean they, they kind of compare it to like like german scientists like post-world war ii you know with like rocket technology or something you know the idea that you know it, it's something that made a good showing in the war even if it was on the side of their opponents so everybody's kind of scrambling to 
obtain that potential, you know, benefit in terms of of each faction and stuff like that. Yeah, that I mean that that makes sense. I was just like, I don't know, like when I guess when you only have twenty minutes to one episode, like it's sometimes it kind of feels like, and like half this episode was spent on a battle, so yeah, yeah. like sometimes it feels like it's not moving as fast. So I, I kind of get that. Yeah, I thought it was kind of an interesting setting. You know, it's it's it, it's in Antarctica, so it's it's icy and and you know they, they they obviously they're dealing with underwater fighting, which is not something we've never seen in Gundam before. But I feel like the the the, the kind of like the ice skating aspect to it, you know, where the guys like you, you you know I can fight underwater and on you know in in you know, land, but you've never fought on, like, the ice before type situation, and I thought that was kind of neat. There was a deleted scene, I don't know if you guys saw it, but, like, Eo's in the Atlas Gundam, and he's like, let's kick some ice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What killed the Xeon? The Ice Age! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they, they I, I don't know if this is something we want to touch on too much, but they talk about uh, how they want to play, like, because it's like Bianca Carlisle and EO Fleming seem to really hit it off and everything. And then they talk about how they want to play the song Groovy Duel. And then, you know, Cornelius is in the corner being like cock blocked and stuff and being all pissed off about it, you know, here and there. But like, they, they actually like literally like play this song, which is called. Uh, well, I, it's weird. Like they they call it Groovy Duel in the anime. I'm assuming because they couldn't get the rights to the actual jazz song in the manga, which is called Giant Steps, which is by John Coltrane. So, but they they actually literally like jam together. You know, like she's on the piano and he's on the drums, and they talk about that kind of you know music and their their passion for it and everything but it seems like it seems like the conversation in the manga is with real you know usually it has you know if there were like asterisks in the manga like you know marvel comics asterisks like go read this or go see this i feel like they would point to all like real jazz musicians but i think in the anime it's more like you know oh hey did you read spider guy issue 132 i love spider guy you know what I mean? Like, and you're like, oh, okay, I get it. I, I know, I know what he's talking about, but they just can't say, you know, it's like, it's like, did you, did you read Bob Lee and, and Jack Winston's fantastic people? That was great. You know, and you're just like, okay, I get it. You know, like, like it's, you can't, you can't, you, you don't have the rights to, you know, use the, 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 the jazz music that was name dropped in the manga because the manga doesn't have any music it's just a guy talking you know so as i might have alluded to in my intro i was kind of like i feel like the federation always gets like slaughtered like like on their own home turf like like it, in the first episode like you know when they did the yabawa coup battle like it seemed like the federation were, were doing pretty well like in space but I was kind of like, man, they're on Earth. Like, shouldn't they have, like, better, like, aquatic training and stuff? Like, but they, they pretty much got, like, totally owned, except for Eo and Bianca. Yeah, it's like, it's like, Bianca's whole team goes out there, and then, and then her girlfriend, Carolina, like, her ball gets totally, like, fragged, and pretty much, like you're saying, like, the, the rest of her crew gets messed up, which is kind of... <laughs> 
it, it's weird because I, I noticed, like, to me, it seemed like there was kind of like this weird patriotic undertone to the jazz music in the beginning layered in there somehow. They also have that weird sequence where they're all getting, like, tatted up with, like, different... Well, I guess they're they're getting a tattoo for their current team, you know, that's going into battle, you know, Bianca and her team and everything. But then I, I started thinking to myself that Optimus Pot is probably in love with Bianca at this point because she, she takes off her jumpsuit and she's got, like, a ton of, you know, tats and everything from, like, all these different, you know, it's like, oh, this is from Operation Odessa and this is from Babawaku and this is from whatever. And she's like, I don't have much space left. And it's like, you can use my left butt cheek and stuff. And, and you know, and I was just kind of like, oh, okay. So I was, like, thinking, I'm all, ooh, I bet Optimus Pot would totally be into... Bianca Carlisle, because she's got a shitload of tramp stamps. Yeah, that was, I was like, well, that that was a clearly, like, you know, fan service moment, but I was kind of like, okay, like, cool, I guess. <laughs> it's it's funny, because in the manga, the you know how there's the female, I, I dare I say doctor or whatever, but like the female that that's actually giving the, you know, she she's actually you know, stamping, you know, the different guys and stuff like that. So it's like, I think in the manga, the guy's getting the stamp on his butt or something stupid, and then she walks in. But what's funny is that that lady that's, give, you know, handling the, the tattoo equipment or whatever, like, she's also in, like, her, I don't know, like, you know, her briefs and, you know, bra or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, whereas in this, it's like, they kind of hold off on that until... Bianca Carlisle shows up and then she's just like, oh, okay, cool. Let's, let's get another one, you know, like that kind of thing. But, but yeah, it seems like all those guys, I mean, most of them seem like they get pretty screwed up, you know, during the encounter with all the, it's all those Gelgoogs or Googs or whatever they are. Um, is that the right? I'm like, uh, Gogs, Gogs, I think, okay. or Zagok. Okay. I, I forgot exactly. Okay. Yeah. Like I know what the 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 only the only the only aquatic Xeon suit that I know like dead on is the Ack guy for obvious reasons yeah, yeah. like because it's ridiculous looking but you know and all there's like three others I think the one Char uses in the series is the Zagok. See, I think and then I it, feel yeah. like maybe maybe these are like other versions of that right like they're goks or something i don't know yeah but... the, or, yeah i know there's the gog because yeah which because bianca has i thought it looked pretty cool but it's basically like a gm but they call it like the gm aqua because it's an amphibious gm but i, I thought it looked pretty cool because they like in some of the the manga images too they have like little you know like when like prowl and all them were like surfing in transformers you know when they're going to like dr archiville's hideout and all that kind of stuff like it's like they, they it seems like those gm aquas also have like little surf skis and they can do all kinds of cool stuff and i, I kind of like the color scheme i mean i've always liked blue so i was like oh that that looks pretty cool it's like a gm but it's it's kind of colored blue so i i kind of like those yeah, it's pretty cool although like i said i feel like like the Xeon tend to make really specialized mobile suits and like like their aquatic mobile suits like look like aquatic mobile suits, but like it's like the Federation's just like just slap some like, you know, a air tanks on a GM and throw it in. Like and... <laughs> like it it's blue. It'll it'll work. 
<laughs> it's colored like the water. That makes it, you know, airtight. It'll be inconspicuous. They'll never see them coming. The the other thing that's kind of interesting about the, and maybe this is what the reviewer you were talking about was trying to get at, maybe, is that the the way the narrative is structured with this story is a little different. Like, it, it seems like the, the anime is almost linear, like where, you know, it goes from one event to the other and you're leading up to, you know, the, the confrontation between the, the Federation and then the, the Zeon forces. And, you know, you've got basically Bianca getting into trouble and then Eo kind of bailing her out. But the, the manga actually opens on that. You know that sequence where Bianca is finally excised from her GM Aqua and she's going after, I think it's like Lieutenant Bull or whoever was in the other Gawk or whatever. And so she's got him in her sights and she's about to fire on him. But then like from behind her, you can see like that whole army of, you know, mobile suits that are behind her and everything. And it's kind of like, oh shit, like now she's screwed or whatever. And it's like the, the manga actually opens on that scene. And then it's, like, two hours earlier, and then it cuts back. And then it's, like, you know, it cuts back to them playing music and shit. And then it's, like, eight hours earlier, you know, and then it cuts back to them, you know, I don't know. It, it, basically, like, it keeps, it, it's kind of like Memento or something where it keeps, it, it keeps going back until we catch up to that point where they have the, you know, the kind of final showdown between eo in the atlas gundam and then i think lieutenant bull and the one other you know gawk or whatever where they're both you know fighting underwater and then the air pressure is you know breaking up their suits and all that stuff so i know i know justin you're more of a, a daryl guy than an eo guy but you were still still keen on this episode like are you are you enjoying any of the other characters like bianca or any of the 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 Zeon guys or anything like that yeah, I like Bianca. I I really liked Bianca and Eo's kind of concert they had for everyone. Like I really I really liked that. Like I I really like jazz music and I may have mentioned this when we were talking about the first season of Thunderbolt, but the jazz and all this makes me just want to sit down and rewatch an anime called Kids on the Slope, which it's about these teens and young adults in 1960s Japan and there's kind of like this love triangle going on, but the the thread that the thread that brings all these characters together is an intense love for jazz. And they spend a lot of time just playing music. And they, I guess, whereas they couldn't get the actual music in Thunderbolt, like they have like the really for reals music and it's, they're discussing it and they're playing it in Kids on the Slope. I, I really liked their little sequence where they were playing music. You know, I, I'm not crazy about EO most of the time, but it was, it was just really nice to see him, kind of acting normal and playing music and kind of flirting with someone he he's obviously you know intrigued with and who's obviously you know uh, smitten with him a little bit and i i like that i was also kind of like keeping an eye on like anytime the atlas showed up because i'm like i know we talked about this last episode but like that's such a bizarre looking mobile suit and then it's like it kind of like has a submersible mode and it's all like folded up and has like a rail gun and stuff i'm like it's this thing just keeps getting weirder. Like, I don't know how to feel about this mobile suit. Yeah, it is definitely... I mean, there, there's that aspect of it where you feel like it's too advanced for the universal century. But, yeah, and and then I can agree with you that it does look kind of off-kilter for 
for a Gundam in general. I, I like the chemistry between Eo and Bianca as well. Like, I think that's kind of fun, especially when she... It, it, it's cool because I, I suppose, you know, you, you might have the, the scenario where, you know, she gets saved by him in the sort of the mid of the battle, but then she can kind of return the favor to him at the end. So you you wouldn't have anybody, you know, any, any you know, social justice warriors out there crying about, you know, that, that she's not a strong female character because she gets to sort of return the favor. And, and, and he, he seems to view her, uh, unlike, you know, maybe Claudia, you know, as, as somewhat of an equal because he's, he's keen on, you know, they share the same interests. They're both pilots and, and she actually kind of bails his ass out just as much as he bails her ass out in that, in that sequence. So they're, they're, they're kind of on a, a level playing field and she's like, I'll buy you a drink. And he, he you know, he accepts and there, there's, there's kind of like a, it, it's funny to say, but you know, these, these two mobile suits kind of drifting in the water, you know, in the icy water, it's almost kind of romantic in a way, you know, like where they're, they're, they're the only two in this sort of isolated area, you know? And so that, that's a pretty cool sequence. I, you know, the other thing I was going to say is you, you brought up the Atlas and, and this might be interesting to note is, you know, how I said like his, his entrance in that first episode of the second season was all super dramatic and kind of all, you know, Kira Yamato Gundam Seed-ish where he comes in and saves the ship and everything. And is it's like the super epic entrance. It's funny because in the manga, like that happens, but it seems like it happens later after his introduction and like he officially gets introduced to the cast after general humphrey gives that briefing because he's not in the briefing it's like they're talking about it and then she goes into well the only person who knows about it is eo fleming and he's right outside you know and you're not gonna you know i think she she says to the captain you're not gonna like my solution and it's like then you see the atlas for the first time like getting off the loading ramp and him you know, basically, you know, coming down into the hangar bay and everything. And and it's it's also interesting, too, that you mentioned that you like seeing him, like EO, just kind of be like a normal dude, kind of like enjoying his music, enjoying a woman, you know, enjoying being reunited with Cornelius and everything. Because they, they seem to play that up in the anime, whereas I, I notice just as much in the manga as people who idolize EO for his status during the one year war there's also like another faction of of people on the ship that are kind of like he used children as shields he's a fucking asshole you know like where they're like watch that guy like make sure we're not just going to be cannon fodder for him so there's it's interesting because it seems like there's there's different tones in in the manga that maybe get overlooked because they're the the anime seems like a lot more focused like we're just going to this is Eo's story. We're going to focus on him and, you know, all these kind of side characters, you know, maybe they don't have as much time to have their, their little moments or what have you. Yeah. I, I, I always feel bad for Millhouse there or, <laughs> you know, Cornelius. Yeah. Cause he just kind of seemed like, Oh, maybe I had a shot with her until Eo yeah, showed up yeah. and was like super cool and whatever. Yeah. yeah. Then, then he's total, total he was, cock block. He's like showing up on his like flying surfboard, being like, "I caramba!" Like, 
What do you guys think about, uh, I don't know if you, you recognize the character name, but but I'll go into it. But what did you guys think about Major Kaufman? He's the, the Zeon guy who kind of was doing some of the, the Buddhist prayers and stuff like that. And in this episode, when we're reintroduced to him, he's the guy that's like sort of crying over his, his dead baby. And, you know, I think Lieutenant Bull's the one who pours out all the booze on his chest and stops him from drinking and stuff like that. Like, I mean, he seems to be another guy they're setting up as, as a, as a primary antagonist. Like, I, I don't know who he's supposed to be a contemporary of really. It's like, you'd think Bianca is a contemporary of the other Lieutenant, the the one that was hanging out with Daryl that was smoking. I can't remember his name now, but the kind of, you know, bishy looking guy or whatever you know like they're kind of contemporaries and then obviously like daryl and eo are kind of contemporaries and stuff but you know i i mean it's it's interesting he's he's there he he seems like he doesn't quite have his shit together because of that sequence but then he's he's still sort of you know they rescue him and by the end of that he's back with his men and and kind of seems resolved to go on, you know, finish his mission at any rate, you know, even though he's got a bunch of, like, emotional baggage that he was dealing with, so, but I'm just kind of curious what your guys' thoughts on, on that character was. I, I felt really sorry for him, like, when he was, like, trying to, you know, take a drink, and the, the other guy just poured it out on top of him, like, you know, like, something bad has happened, like, he's not just, he's not just getting drunk just to get drunk, you know, he's, like, He's been through some shit. And then when he pulled out his phone and he was looking at all these pictures, I was like, ah, okay. I, I see where you're going. And then in the back of my head, I was like, it's it's weird to see like a soldier in Universal Century pull out a cell phone. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, because because like, yeah. they're they're they have that sort of '70s vibe of technology. Like, yeah. you almost expect them to pull out like a floppy disk or something, you know, instead of a <laughs> instead of an iPhone. But yeah, I get what you're saying. But yeah, I I thought that I thought those scenes were really well done, and I I certainly felt for the characters. So I'm kind of like I'm kind of curious to see what kind of arc and development he'll have later on. Yeah, ditto. Like, I was good. Like sometimes it's. I don't know. Sometimes I feel they swing way too far into making the Xeon like sympathetic sometimes, but you know, I, I think most of that, any kind of like apathy or, or disgust for the Xeon would come from like the Zabi family and not like the soldiers on the ground or whatever. Cause it seems like most of them are pretty decent guys or like guys like Ron Baral and all that, who are just, you know, kind of dragged into this war for independence. So you know, like, I, yeah, I, I felt bad for him. And, you know, he's he's got the makings of a, you know, a good, I guess, antagonist, even though it, it you'd almost want to say that EO is a bigger, like, douchebag than he is. It, it makes sense because he he does get those kind of funny looks, you know, how Mike was saying that, you know, EO's more of a jerk or an asshole or whatever than some of the the Xeon guys and, and even his own crew at least in the manga do kind of give him those funny looks even though he's a popular guy you know it's like that that whole popularity thing where you know there are people that are not in the quote-unquote in crowd you know they're not cornelius or bianca or whoever you know that are like giving him the the wonky eye you know what i mean like oh right, there's that eo guy and and also i mean to another degree it could be a fair amount of jealousy and and kind of I don't know what the right word, maybe envy, 
you know, because in the in the manga, like, I mean, they make no bones about why he's piloting the Gundam. It's like he paid to pilot that Gundam pretty much. You know what I mean? Like his family gave the biggest, you know, they, he, his family was this mega conglomerate, basically. So it's like one of those things where, you know, his family gave like all this money to have the Atlas be built in the first place. And he's kind of shirking the whole, you know, that that a member of the Fleming family wouldn't be placed in jeopardy type thing. And he's just like, fuck it, I'm going to go, you know, like he, there, there's a lot of political machinations that are kind of glossed over, I think, in the anime. Whereas, you know, because of those politics, clearly, like, he's he's made his share of enemies, you know, whether they be just people giving him the wonky eye or, or actually people in positions of power, you know, that, that have a grudge against his family, you know, or, or the Moore Brotherhood or anything like that. I kind of forgot about that, that he was, like, from a rich family, like, from, and they, they kind of delved more into that, into the, in the first season, but they haven't really, it hasn't really come up yet. Yeah, yeah, they, they, it seems like something, at least in the anime, at least so far, that's been kind of glossed over. I mean, I don't know if it's gonna, you know, come back around, you know, because some, some of this stuff seems like it, it gets dropped for a little bit, and then it comes back into it at a different point you know, in the narrative, but other times, like you said, sometimes they just drop things and, and I, maybe it's for the economy of storytelling and they just, you know, like the, the JJ Sexton thing, it seems like that's just not going to be in the anime. Like it's nothing they want to spend their time on almost. It's like, they're like, ah, oh, the, you know, the Saikuzaku is a good enough reason, you know, for them to be going out there. And then that's that, you know, are you looking forward to next episode, Justin? Cause it does seem like that's going to be more of a, Daryl Carla heavy episode from what I could see. I am. I mean, I'm I'm always looking forward to more Thunderbolt, but if it's Daryl centric, then yes, I I'm especially excited. I mean, curious. my my I, I you know obviously I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know because it hasn't come out yet. But my my speculation, given given the 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 beats and and storylines that they sort of jumped over in the manga, and and given the next episode preview, I I feel like next episode is going to be one of those Daryl heavy, you know, or at least Daryl slash Carla Zeon heavy episodes. It seemed like a, even to me, like it seemed like a sort of light episode, basically. Like most of it was taken up by that aqua battle and then the rest of it was just kind of getting us used to our new setting. Yeah. I mean, the, I, I thought the battle was fun, you know, I mean, the, you know, it was enjoyable. So I mean, despite the Atlas looking a little weird and stuff, but, and then I think the Xeon suits always look, they they may look like they're designed to be amphibian type suits, but, uh, you know, they always kind of look funny to me, like, because they don't, they don't really fit that kind of traditional, I guess, human personification, you know, of, you know, sometimes they can just have weird claws and look, you know, he even, he even calls it, he's like, get your damn lobster hands off of me, you know, type thing, whereas, you know, a Gundam or a GM, you know, it's kind of very human looking, you know, it's got, you know, arms and legs and a head and all that kind of stuff, whereas he's like, ah, get your stupid lobster off me. I, I appreciate the fact that as the Atlas is sinking, it starts to implode a little bit because so many times it seems when whenever we have like underwater action like you know hero yui in the wing or the wing zero or whatever like he can just 
stay at the bottom of the ocean and like have a little pouty hissy fit and fly back up and his Gundam is a-okay but you know but here here we have the atlas which is supposed to be pretty advanced and it's it's sinking and it's starting to implode so like i i kind of appreciated that little little bit of realism well you know hero yui's got his tank top of strength from odin <laughs> or whatever right so that's 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 the explanation you get there i think hi i'm blaine dowler host of bedtime in the public domain in this podcast series, I'll read bedtime stories from books in the public domain. Each weekday, I'll release one chapter or short story from a selected larger collection. Once the entire book is done, I'll also release an audiobook version, including all chapters or short stories, before taking a few days off to prepare the next series. All stories will be from one of the children's categories from the Project Gutenberg website, because they do an excellent job of editing the content to ensure it's in public domain, and I have neither the time nor expertise required to do that myself. Suggestions for the stories that come next are welcome and encouraged. You can find the show at Bureau42.com, on iTunes, and on Stitcher. But yeah, I mean, I think, I, I guess, like like we are saying, I mean, we, we all enjoyed the episode. We're all looking forward to the next one. And I, I'm guessing that that kind of wraps up our, our discussion on episode two of the second season of Gundam Thunderbolt. I do know that they're they're slowly but surely translating and releasing the manga officially in the States, so I guess people can be on the lookout for that. I, I know that I bought the limited edition December Sky Thunderbolt Blu-ray, which was the first four episodes of the first season, and then that's kind of like out of print because it was a limited edition. But I know over on Right Stuff, there's the, I guess, quote-unquote standard edition, which is a lot cheaper than what I paid for the, the limited edition, and it's on Blu-ray. So, I mean, if anybody who's listening to this hasn't had an opportunity to check it out or, or own it because, you know, the the limited edition was, you know, kind of pricey and stuff like that. I mean, you can check it out. It's pretty much, you know, the four episodes for, you know, with all the extras and stuff on that disc, but just not, I think, all those extra booklets and slip cases and, and stuff like that. You know, it's just the kind of a bare bones Blu-ray or whatever, but it's, you know, it's an average price. I think it's like 21 something or other you know like an average retail price over on right stuff so if anybody's interested in that or catching up you know like listening to this and going oh geez i want to i want to watch the the first season and, and catch up like that's that's an easy way to do it i think this will this will end the episode so if you got any comments questions and or concerns you can send them to fanholspodcast at gmail.com. Of course, we appreciate all the likes and feedback we receive on all the cool social media. We're over on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, etc. And we can be streamed on Stitcher Radio, and we are on iTunes. So if you are so inclined, uh, all, all kinds of reviews and positive feedback are welcome. And, of course, we've got many other spin-off shows besides Mobile Suit Mondays. We've got Toku Thursdays, Transformers Tuesdays, Sentai Saturdays, Comic Books Motherfucker, Do You Read Them? We've got Big in Japan, where we look at anime, and we've got the Fan Holes podcast proper. So if you've liked listening to this show, please consider checking out all the other spin-off shows and the proper shows. And of course, our, our backlog of shows can be found over on fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. And until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, Ratatatatat, signing off. 
This is Mike. The blue paint does nothing. And this is Justin. totally see that i mean you 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 do get that notion with the manga a little bit more you know with all the god damn it. i'll be right back we're gonna have to drop a colony on dogosaurus <laughs> like we did last time yes <laughs> that must have been like four or five years ago when we made that joke like that was like our second gundam show i think <laughs> like when it wasn't when there was no mobile suit monday 